Outside. Great ball in. Sam Kerr up the double. Yes, it is. Reese Perry brings up her 200 in style. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. Welcome to episode two of A League of Their Own. You're joined by me, Lachlan, and I am with Julia and Ksenia, and we're going to follow on from last week's discussion about equality in sport and look at where women's sport is headed in the future. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. We're very excited today. Well, as we've discussed earlier, last week's episode was a bit of a pessimistic view that women's sport, the pay isn't there, the opportunity isn't there, but I think we're going to talk today about how in certain areas, there is growth and it is recognisable and how, in certain terms, we are in a much better position than we were, say, five, ten years ago. And I think that's definitely a really good point to know is that despite how dire things may seem, there is a positive future. And I think a really key uh, example of that is women surfing. I had the privilege of being at the World Surf League Bells Beach a couple of months ago. And, you know, it's really quite amazing to see the female surfers and the male surfers side by side. They're in the same comp. They travel together. And there's a real sense of camaraderie. And I spoke to Seth Gilmore about what she thinks about women surfing and male surfing, and this is what she had to say. Yeah, you know, I think female surfing has come a really long way, and all of the girls now surf with, you know, such style and grace. And, and you know, one of the funniest things is when I hear that a, a woman gets a compliment that you surf like a guy. I actually think my most favourite male surfers have the most um, graceful style, and to me that's a feminine trait. So I'm actually like, well, I think the guys that surf the best surf like girls. So. And I think that that's, you know, it's it's so interesting she talks about grace because females do have that certain sense of grace which you do need in the water. But I think for surfing specifically, it's a really great example of how women in sport are doing it right. And the men have a lot of respect for the female surfers. I think that's something that's really key. And have like seeing them as one coherent unit instead of two separate teams which are always seen as... I think that's such an important aspect that for so long it's been an us versus them style thing that if one, if women's sport is to succeed, it means men's sport can't. And I think one of the things that we all recognise is that women's sport can succeed at the same time that men's sport can succeed. It has, it can be its own individual thing and it can prosper on its own. It's not like men's sport is going to take a hit because people are suddenly watching women's football. It's people are watching women's football and they're watching men's football. Are we seeing any um, examples in the soccer world? You know what? There was a game last week against Mexico and Paraguay which had 35,000 people show up and that's an amazing number considering they only formed a league last year and they're already getting this many people walking through gates wanting to see the game. Well, when you think even in, if we want an Australian example, last week... Um, in the AFL, GWS versus West Coast, the, the men's AFL, they got, I don't think they even got 6,000 people out at Spotless Stadium. End of last year, the Matildas got 16,000, 17,000, one out at Penrith and one up at Newcastle when they played their game. So the crowds are definitely swinging towards the women's favour and people are recognising that the quality of sport they're seeing in these games isn't less than what they'd see at the men's game. It is its own game and it's sort of, able to forge its own path in that respect and people and viewers and lovers of sport are beginning to respect that and women's sports growing as a result. 
But I think the main reason those games were so packed out was because it came on such a big win. The Matildas had just won the Tournament of Nations and we had all this media coverage on them. And then the tickets came out. So people were like, oh, yeah, let's go to the Matildas game. While if there was no media coverage, I doubt it would have sold out that much. So it's coupling the media coverage as well as having a successful team is what brings in those numbers like crazy. And I talked to a local PDH teacher and here's what she had to say about media coverage. Women's sport is producing an amazing product and the Australian public will watch quality sport played at a high level and it doesn't matter if it's men or women playing the sport, if it's a good product, people will attend, people will take an interest. So I think the key to changing attitudes is having the opportunity for these women to show their skills and and showcase and be appreciated for what they're achieving. I mean, Women's Health do this wonderful event called Women in Sport and they basically honour all of, you know, these successful sportswomen from all categories. You know, you've got Lane Beachley, you've got Elise Perry, you know, so it, it's about recognising them for their achievements. And I think off the back of that, the fact that we have big names in women's sport in Australia now means that young girls growing up wanting to play sport will have these role models that they can look up to. They'll, they'll want to be the next Elise Perry scoring a century for Australia. They'll want to be the next Sam Kerr scoring a goal in a World Cup. There's all these opportunities that because, say, 10, 15 years ago, we didn't have recognisable names, now that there are, young girls can go, oh, I want to be like them. Yeah, and it's seen as an actual job they could go into potentially. I'd love to talk really quickly about, you know, the, the sexualizing of women in sport as opposed to what the men are experiencing. One key example of that in Australia is that the Matildas, who are now recognised as an amazing, successful team, still have to face this battle to sort of be relevant in Australian society. So in the 1970s, they had to pose for naked calendars and absurd things like that just to fund their own trips. And even more recently our Matildas had to do an absurd photo shoot. Yeah, so to promote the Julie Dolan Warren medals that were just recently, they took photos in um, ball gowns as long with their soccer boots on just to remind everyone that they're women playing sport. It's definitely not all bad news. There's definitely a positive future. And I think there's a lot of things happening now that really good for women in sport. For example, in the, in the female surfing that the WSL, the World Surf League, have just banned photographers and videographers from zooming in on female surfers' bottoms when they're surfing. I think it's a really great step forward and kind of getting in front of that Me Too movement that's been happening. And, you know, they're really putting their hands up and saying, this is a problem within the industry and this is how we're going to fix it. It's so important that these big organisations are taking these steps to ensure that women's sport is growing in a way that it's going to be successful in the long run. So recently I spoke to a rugby league fan who is very interested in the growth of the women's game. And he spoke about how there was a lot of conjecture around the new women's NRL competition where the Cronulla Sharks, who have been widely recognised as the leaders in women's rugby league, were not given a contract for the latest competition. And this is what he had to say. But I think they've done it in a really smart way. If you look at the NRL at the moment, they've got nine sides in Sydney. That's a lot of teams. So they've tried to really protect themselves against that. So Cronulla's missed out because they don't have all of the Illawarra, which is fantastic. Um, South Sydney's missed out because there's not a whole lot there. And obviously you've got the Roosters with their connection with the, the Wan Roos. So they've got all of the Central Coast. So I think they've done it really smart. 
So essentially he's saying that to make sure the game grows, we've got to set that net out as wide as possible so we can get young girls into sport at a young age. So then once they filter through the system, we'll have a strong pool of athletes who can compete in women's sport. Things are changing and people are making these decisions. And from the opportunity of the women to be able to play in the same comp as the men to having rules changed about the sexualizing of the women in sport to really giving young women, the younger generation, the, the chance to have a sustainable future in sport. I think that that's really our key takeaways. And it shows while still there's a lot to do, we are going in the right direction. And soon, women's sport will be able to stand as a league of its own. <laughs>